You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. And I just want to take a few minutes to talk to you today about seven ways to find peace during a pandemic. I've never lived through a pandemic. I never even imagined what is happening right now with people losing their jobs and being kept from work and kids being sent home from school and the fear of a virus that can make you sick or is killing some people. And everything that's happening right now, I have never experienced in my life. But I do do know that God's word is timeless. And as I prayed about this, I found uh, seven ways to find peace during a pandemic. The first one is to put God first. As you have need, as you think about what to do with your day, as you think about the future, as you think about everything that's going on, to put God first, to trust God. God is still in control. God is still on the throne. God is not surprised. God could be up to something great in what he is choosing to do and allowing to happen right now. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will and all you do, and he will direct your paths. He will show you which path to take. So commit it to the Lord. Pray it through. Uh, spend more time in God's word and seeking God than you do binging Netflix or uh, reading all the news about all the things that are going on. This is a great time for you to grow in your walk with the Lord. Put God first. Jesus was teaching about money and resources and worry in Luke 12, verse 21. Jesus said, A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear or enough toilet paper. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? You know, it's possible for us to worry ourselves to death. We might not get the virus, but we might worry ourselves sick. We should trust God. We should ask for our provisions to be made. We should present our every need before the Lord and trust him to provide. If he can provide for the birds, he can provide for us. You know, when it comes to sharing things, Jesus said in Luke 6:38, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And when we're generous to share with people in need, when we're generous to give back to God as an act of worship when we give to the church so that it can continue to go on, uh, when we are generous, God can bless that. He can make it last longer. He can uh, bless us with more than we anticipated. But we should put God first with our finances. And we should know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, not even a pandemic, not a virus, not a job loss. Romans 8.38, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will, be, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can be confident that nothing can separate us from God's love. We can be confident that there's nothing on the earth or above the earth or any virus that can separate us from God's love. Number two, uh, don't tune me out when I say this, just hear me out. Uh, number two, if you want to have peace during a pandemic, prepare to die. Be ready to die. I highly doubt that you're going to die, but it's possible that you could. But it's also possible that you could get in a car accident or that you could fall and hit your head or get in some kind of other accident. People are dying all the time and we should be ready to die. Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Uh, to leave an inheritance, you have to have a will. It would be a great thing to make a will. Maybe you go to one of those free online will-making sites. I actually did that, went online, said it was free, filled the whole thing out, and then when I got to the very end of it, it said, well, yeah, it was free, but if you want to continue on, if you ever want to edit this, then you need to subscribe to our monthly service. So that was tricky. But a will is something that tells people what to do after you die. It's good to like have uh, some way to communicate your passwords and for, uh, to make it easy for people to clean up or to uh, distribute your resources when you die. It would be great. It's kind of freaky, but it would be great if you could make a video, like a cell phone video, uh, maybe for like five minutes long. Maybe tell something about your life, uh, how you were born, um, what was meaningful to you or whatever, some things that you'd want shown at your memorial service. And the most important thing that you can put on there is what your life was like before you came to Jesus, how you came into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and what your life has been like since. It would be great to put that in a video form uh, so that could be shared. Um, it's scary right now because people aren't supposed to meet and congregate. Uh, I heard of a lady that uh, died north of the Twin Cities, and she isn't able to have a memorial service because people, large groups, aren't supposed to gather. And um, yeah, but if you put a video together and we had to do a virtual memorial service, it would be awesome. Most important thing, tell people about your faith while you're alive and as you're passing from this life into the next to go be with Jesus. Let people know that you are a Christ follower. All right, so in the Bible, Hezekiah was a king of Judah, and he was pretty tight with God. And I want to tell you about him and the way he dealt with his sickness and what God did in that. So Isaiah was the prophet at the time, and uh, so he comes and gives Hezekiah this message. Uh, Isaiah 38.1 is what I'm going to read. Isaiah 38.1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah went to him and said, This is what the Lord says, Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. When people are told they're going to die, they usually uh, go around and try to repair broken relationships. They try to make sure that everything's taken care of that they can think of. Uh, they usually get closer to God. They usually um, do all they can to make sure that they have uh, eternal life, that they're, they're saved, they want to know about those things. And so God had Isaiah come tell Hezekiah, your time is up. You're going to die. You will not recover. And Hezekiah must have been really, really, really sick. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. He wrote this poem, actually, in Isaiah 38. Talked about how sick he was, and he was like sick unto death. He was really sick. But anyway, um, so you're sick, and then the prophet of the Lord comes to you and says, the time's up. You're going to die. This illness, it's not good. You will not recover. So what does he do? 
What does he do? Does he get mad at God and then say, why is this? So oh, that's so unfair. I treated you so well. Well, let's find out more about that, actually. You know, before I do, though, let me just remind you that the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that each person is destined to die once, not be reincarnated. Uh, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So we will stand before the Lord and give it an account for our lives. If you uh, have died and not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be judged based on your works in this life, and no amount of works will make you right with God. So uh, you will be eternally separated from God. And that is a terrible thing. But if you have placed your faith in Jesus, repented of your sin, asked Jesus to come into your life, you followed him as your Lord and Savior, uh, fully believing in him, you will be judged for the works that you did here in the body, the works that you did as a Christian, the works that you did even now, the works that you might get extra rewards for your faithfulness during a pandemic. You can find peace when you prepare to die. So if it comes to that time and you're about to die, you know that you've taken care of the things you need to take care of for the people that are left behind to pick up the pieces. And you know your eternal, eternal destiny is sealed so that you can be right with Jesus, so that you can make sure that you will be welcomed into heaven because you have already taken care of that by believing in Jesus. So number three, to have peace during a pandemic, pray for help. Pray for help. I've already mentioned prayer quite a few times, but we need to pray when we have fears. We need to pray when we have needs. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for political leaders, uh, medical doctors, nurses, pharmacists, the people at the grocery store, the delivery people, all these people that are trying to keep society going and trying to help people find what they need. We need to pray. Psalm 37, 4, David says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. So many times when we pray it through, it takes care of the anxiety and the fear. We pray for it. We pray it through. We put it in the Lord's hands and we trust him to provide. Let's get back to Hezekiah, Isaiah 38, 2. What did Hezekiah do when he found out that he was going to die? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He said, Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And then Hezekiah wept bitterly. He cried out to God. He said, Remember, Lord, remember what I've done. Remember how I've been faithful. Remember. So, GodQuestions.org had a great bio on Hezekiah. Let me just tell you about some of it. Let me read this here. Hezekiah was one of the few kings of Judah who was constantly aware of God's acts in the past and his involvement in the events of every day. The Bible describes Hezekiah as a king who had a close relationship with God, one who did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. Hezekiah was the son of a wicked king, Ahaz, who reigned over the southern kingdom of Judah for 29 years. Hezekiah began his reign at age 25, and he was more zealous for the Lord than any of his predecessors. During his reign, the prophets Isaiah, Isaiah and Micah ministered in Judah. After Ahaz's wicked reign, there was much work to do, and Hezekiah boldly cleaned house. Pagan altars, idols, and temples were destroyed. The bronze serpent that Moses had made in the desert was also destroyed because the people had made it an idol. The temple in Jerusalem, whose doors had been nailed shut by Hezekiah's own father, was cleaned out and reopened. The Levitical priesthood was reinstated, and the Passover was reinstituted as a national holiday. Hezekiah's reforms, under Hezekiah's reforms, revival came to Judah. 
Because King Hezekiah put God first in everything he did, God prospered him. Hezekiah held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. So he was God's man. He was doing what God had planned. He was living the way that he should be living. And I have to ask you, is that the way you're living your life? When you think about the things that you choose to do and the way that you spend your time and your resources, the way that you uh, pursue the things in this world, are you really thinking about the Lord and what he wants in your life? Are you thinking about eternity? Are you thinking about the fact that this life is just a short preview to the rest of your eternity? You know, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we have Jesus, then we can be confident that our prayers are being heard. In 1 John 5.11, it says, This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So when we have Jesus, we know that we have eternal life. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are adopted as children of God. We are given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Bible, helps us to live the Christian life, convicts us of sin in our life, gives us a spiritual gift or gifts for ministry, helps us to be a powerful disciple and to make disciples, helps us to live out the call of God in our life. When we get Jesus into our life, it changes so much and makes things so much better. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you have the Son of God? Do you have Jesus in your life? If you don't, the Bible says that you do not have life. You do not have eternal life. If you do not have Jesus, if you've rejected Jesus, walked away from Jesus, uh, trivialized Jesus, um, you do not have this eternal life. And when you die, you will be eternally separated from God. There's another promise here that says, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That doesn't mean that he always answers the way we want. Uh, Sometimes the answers are, No, you don't need that. Uh, Sometimes the answer is wait. It's coming in perfect timing. And sometimes the answers are yes. I will definitely give you that. So we pray. We pray persistently. We pray. We pray according to God's will. And we trust that God will work out his will. But we pray. We pray for help. And we trust that if we're in Jesus, that he hears our prayer. You know, if we have unconfessed sin in our life, if we've got some kind of sin, sin is doing anything against uh, God's will. So uh, sins in our thought life, uh, sins by action. Uh, I mean, many sins are, are easy to figure out. I mean, obviously murder and adultery and uh, stealing and lying, um, using God's name in vain, uh, all of, so many different ways to sin. If there's sin in our life and we are just living in sin, Uh, that might hinder our prayers. We might not get our prayers answered. Uh, The Bible says that if we don't treat our wives good, we might not get our prayers answered. Psalm 66, 18 says, David says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if there's sin in our life, we need to confess that to the Lord. not to a priest, uh, not to me. Um, if you are struggling with some kind of besetting sin and you wanted to talk to me in a counseling type of thing, I might be able to help. 
But uh, we pray something as the Holy Spirit brings it to mind, convicts us of sin. We pray something like, Lord Jesus, I know that I keep falling into this sin and I know that it's uh, not your will for me. And I admit that it's sinful and it's wrong. Um, I confess it. Help me not to do it again and help me to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me of that. In Jesus' name, amen. And that helps you to have a better relationship. That helps to make sure your prayers aren't going to be hindered if you have unconfessing in your life. So, and to pray for help in our time of need, in the time that we live right now. So many psalms are so relevant for us to pray, and we can pray God's word back to God. That's a really good prayer to do. Psalm 90, verse 12. We can pray, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I think we're realizing that life can be short or lifestyle can be taken away quickly. I think we are learning that. And it says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom what a great thing for us to gain is wisdom. We need wisdom. 13, verse 13, O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Verse 14, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy at the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Psalm 90, 12 through 17. All right, so we were prepared to die. We prayed. We're seeking peace. We're going to plan our future. Plan our future. That means that, yes, we're going through a hard time, but don't think that this is the end. I don't think this is the end. When I look at eschatology and I think about Jesus coming back, I see these pestilences as birth pangs to what's going to happen in the future. Uh, when Before Jesus comes, all the bad things, all the difficulties that are going to happen before Jesus returns. But I don't think this virus is it. There's been viruses before in the past. There's been quarantines before in the past. Uh, there's been lots of people that died of things in the past, and then society um, figured out a way to deal with it, and then they moved on. And think about your future. Think about how much more you're going to value getting together with large groups of people. Think about how much you're going to value having your kids uh, be able to be in sporting events and uh, plays and things like that, uh, graduation ceremonies, some things that they might be missing out on this year. Uh, think about how much you'll enjoy going to church, a big crowd, a little crowd. What about greeting time? For those of you that complain about greeting time, I bet there might come a time where you long for the days when you could readily shake someone's hand or give them a hug without fear that you might catch something from them. So we look forward to the future. We plan for the future. If you find yourself trapped in your house, bored with nothing to do, uh, what a great time for you to grow in skill, to learn more about the Lord, to communicate with others, to share your faith online, to encourage people, to give them hope. There are so many things you could be doing, but plan your future. Uh, think about if God were to... Uh, heal us, to uh, solve this problem, uh, what would we do in the future differently with the wisdom that we gain from God? So number four, plan your future. Back to Hezekiah, Isaiah 38, verse four. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. So God heard his prayer. God heard his prayer. Hezekiah didn't want to die. And this is what God gives him. And before I say what it is, I don't think that because Hezekiah prayed and cried out to God that God changed his mind. I don't think God was like, well, I didn't see that coming. So you know what? I am going to heal you. 
that was good. I, I was so surprised. I don't think God was surprised at all. I think that God tests us to see if we're going to be faithful in good times and difficult times. Look at the life of Job. He was faithful in difficult times. Look at the end of the book of Job and how many things God gives back to him. He went through a really hard time, but God blessed him after he passed that test. But anyway, so here's what Hezekiah gets. He gets to know that God heard his prayer. And then in verse uh, 5, the second part of 5, says, um, I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. 15 years. And then God says, I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. So you're going to live for 15 more years instead of being sick unto death. And I'm going to take care of your enemy so you can live at peace that way. And then God gives him a sign. Crazy. God gives him a sign. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he, what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the 10 steps that has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the 10 steps it had gone down. And so that was pretty amazing. God gave him a sign. God doesn't always give us signs that he's going to answer our prayer. Sometimes he just gives us a peace in our heart that it's going to be okay. It's so important that we remember, too, that when we've been healed, when we've been helped, that we praise God for it. And we don't just go, oh, well, I'm glad that's over. And so we should praise God and thank him for what he has done. Number five, patiently wait for the Lord. So you've planned your future. Now you're patiently waiting for the Lord. Now, this is a poem that King Hezekiah wrote, and some of it reads kind of weird and really sad. And all I can think about when I read it is, how sick was he? He must have been really sick. He was thinking that, I'm dead. This Everything, well, let me read it to you. And you can see how sick he was. When King Hezekiah was well again, he wrote this poem. Verse 10. I said in the prime of my life, must I now enter the place of the dead? Am I to be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, never again will I see the Lord God while still in the land of the living. Never again will I see my friends or be with those who lived in this world. My life has been blown away like a shepherd's tent in a storm. It has been cut short as when a weaver cuts cloth from a loom. Suddenly, my life was over. Verse 13. I waited patiently all night, but I was torn apart as though by lions. Suddenly, my life was over. Delirious, I chattered like a swallow or a crane, and then I moaned like a morning dove. My eyes grew tired of looking to heaven for help. I am in trouble, Lord. Help me. He was really sick. Maybe you've been sick like that before, and you cry out to God, and you're in pain, and you're in suffering. You're waiting for the fever to break, or whatever your sickness is. And eventually the help comes. But we need to be patient because sometimes God allows us to be on the bed of sickness, to be still and know he is God. Sometimes God allows us to go through that so that it helps us to grow in faith. Sometimes we have no, re no idea of the reason that we're going through the difficult things. God knows. Isaiah 55 says his mind isn't like our mind. His way is not like our ways. His ways are higher. His mind is better and higher. He works out his plan. 1 Corinthians 6.19, it's uh, a passage that's pretty much talking about the way we use our bodies when it comes to sexual immorality and things like that. But it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. 
So if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when we're saved, then when we're sick, we should cry out to God and say, God, please take care of your body. The body that you've given me, please heal it. Please help me. Please, uh, we're praying. We had a prayer meeting today by Skype uh, instead of meeting together. But we're praying for divine health. We're praying that God would keep us healthy, that God would keep you healthy, that we would be able to be greatly used of God during these difficult times. But we should cry out to God. We should be patient for him. We should let God work out his plan. We should patiently wait for the Lord. And number six, we should praise and proclaim him to all. We should praise and proclaim Jesus to all. This is what Hezekiah says towards the end of his poem. He says, but what can I say? He has spoken to me and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. He is saying that this hard thing that he went through is making him a better person, is making him a more godly man, is making him somebody that God can use even more. He will walk humbly as a result of this difficulty in God's answer to his prayer. Uh, He says in his poem, verse 16, Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Uh, And he says in verse 18, the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. But he says the living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Praise and proclaim him to all. Remember all that he's done. Remember how he gets you through the good times and carries you through the bad times. Remember the peace that he gives you. Praise and proclaim him to all. You know, it talks about children. It says that we are to tell our children about what God is doing. Parents, tell their children about your faithfulness. And in Deuteronomy 6, 5, it talks about how we should live and how we should uh, act around our children. What we should teach our children. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The kids are stuck at home with their parents now. Uh, we're trying to post resources online on our website at riverrockchurch.com uh, to give parents some links to things that they can download and use to um, teach their children about the Lord. Maybe share stories about how the Lord has been working in your life and read the scriptures to them. Praise and proclaim him to all, especially to your children. And number seven, my final point, put the cure into action. Number seven, put the cure into action. So put the cure into action. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord to be saved? I know some people that say, oh, I prayed the prayer, 
But if you didn't truly mean the prayer, if you weren't truly repenting of your sin and truly declaring Jesus was Lord, uh, you need to have true faith and true belief to be truly saved, not just say a prayer. So I fear that there's people out there that will find that they weren't truly saved because, yeah, I said the prayer, but it made no difference in their life. When we follow Jesus, uh, it is a lifetime commitment. And like I said before, he provides the Holy Spirit to help us in every way. But have you called on the name of the Lord? So saying the prayer doesn't necessarily save you, but prayer is a good way to indicate your desire. Uh, your desire. If you desire to be saved today, you can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and that you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me and my sins and make me the person you created me to be. I want to turn from my sinful ways and follow you. Please help me through this time and give me peace and show me how I can live for you and make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Or pray something similar. Pray something like that. Praying is talking to God. You can pray as long as you want. You can have a short prayer, a long prayer, a silent prayer. doesn't even have to be out loud. But you should declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you reach out and tell somebody today? Would you reach out and tell somebody you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Uh, maybe you could let us know that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we can give you some resources to help you to grow in the Christian life. Or if we can't physically get them to you, we can show you some links online that can uh, help you to get started growing in the Christian life. We want to help you in that. You know, Romans 8.1 I'm almost done. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is, no, now, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, no condemnation. In Christ, we have a great opportunity. Um, I hope that you'll watch us next week for another encouraging message from God's Word. Our website's pretty easy, riverrockchurch.com. Actually, my shirt says that. Um, so if you want to give to support the ministry, then go riverrockchurch.com slash give. If you want to see other ways that you can watch uh, this, uh, riverrockchurch.com slash watch. And if you want to listen to some of our past messages that were by audio, uh, riverrockchurch.com slash listen. All right, so let me pray. And then Pastor Dan wants to share something before we go. Lord Jesus, we do not know the future. We have so many questions and so many fears, and we don't know about our jobs. We don't know about education. We don't know about what life is going to be like if the sickness doesn't go away. We pray that you do a miracle and that you'd heal the sick people, that you would make the virus go away, that you would uh, bring us back to the life that we experienced, but even better. Lord, we pray that the world would be a better place for this. Lord, we pray that uh, your your works would be shown. Lord, we pray that your will would be known. Lord, we pray that you would greatly uh, use us with the days that you've given us and that we would have peace and help people to have hope. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Pastor Dan, in your living room, take it away. Is it recording? Well, welcome to my living room. Since River Rock Church isn't meeting, I thought I'd do one song. Uh, if this works out, we'll try to do one song a week to uh, kind of kick off what Pastor Chris is preaching. We want to do our part in helping our nation battle the coronavirus. So as uh, we don't gather, we still want to praise and we still want to learn and we still want to uh, push forth the word, word of God.
You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. RiverRockChurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.